tonight we're going to finish up, uh, we're going to continue on, I should say, with Jonah. If you have your Bible, turn with us to Jonah chapter 2. Um, and I'm going to recap just real quick so we can kind of piece together what we're going to talk about tonight with, with what we talked about last week. Uh, last week we talked about running from God. Uh, and, and so this week we're going to continue that story of as Jonah ran from God, kind of some things that happened. Um, I'm going to piece together a few things that we didn't really talk about. Now, we really, last week, all we did was we spent much time in the first three verses. That's about all we did, uh, if, you, if you notice with us. And there's a lot of other things that happened. We're not going to spend much time on those, but I, I just want to, just for time's sake, just kind of compress that together real fast for us. That way you guys can check out what's happening in chapter two. Uh, so, you know, last week, Jonah had, had gotten a, a call from God. Uh, and he was afraid. He wasn't afraid because he was fearful of God as much as he was fearful the fact that God would actually allow these people time to repent. He hated these people uh, because they had done so many bad things, and the Ninevites were, were bad people. Uh, and so Jonah was, was really, I don't know if we could use the word racist, but we might could use the word racist towards these people. He didn't want God to give them an opportunity to repent, so he ran the other direction um, and, of course, you know, we talked about when he was running, he was on the ship. Now, there's some things that happened when he was on the ship, um, how God used a lot of the circumstances, how God used the wind, uh, the sea, all of these things to try to stop Jonah. And you guys know the story, so what happened on the ship? What'd they do? They, they ended up throwing him off, but before that, there's some interesting things that happened. Uh, where was Jonah when all this stuff started taking place? He was asleep. Where, asleep where? Yeah, down. Remember, last week we talked about there's this whole use of the word down. He kept going down to here, down into the bottom of the ship, uh, and then eventually we see him at the depths of the sea. So there's this whole picture of Jonah continuing this downward spiral that he was gone, that he was on from running away from God. So, yeah, of course, so we, we saw in the first chapter that how when Jonah... When the whole sea and everything is going on, Jonah's in, in, the, in the belly of the ship, basically, and he's asleep. What's the captain do? The captain runs down, and he says this to him. He says, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps, the God, perhaps your God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, there's never any recorded time in Scripture at this point that Jonah even prayed. As a matter of fact, Jonah doesn't even speak until about verse 9. Uh, they cast lots, and of course, they figured out it was Jonah just by chance. Uh, and when it came to Jonah, this is what Jonah said. Uh, we're back in chapter 1, just to kind of catch you up real fast. In verse 9, he says this, And he said to him, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That's the first time Jonah speaks. And there's not really too many times that Jonah talks in this. We don't hear Jonah speak again until what we're going to look at tonight. So it ended up, they cast Jonah into the sea. The sea is crazy. It's going all around them. And then there's a fish that comes and swallows up Jonah. Now, what we're going to look at tonight is Jonah's prayer. And it's an interesting prayer because it's one to where Jonah talks about the distress that he had in the past. What's the distress that he's talking about in this prayer? If you, even if you guys hadn't read it. When I talk about the distress of the past, what's in the past that he's talking about, the distress? Is it the fish? What is it? Or is it the water? It's the what? what? What's the distress? It's the water. The distress that Jonah talks about in this passage, it has nothing to do with the fish. Because remember, last week we talked about the fish was a vessel that saved Jonah. 
It was actually almost Jonah's salvation. So let's, let's, let's hop into this. Now, so here we are. Jonah has been swallowed up by a fish. Now, here's the picture that all of us have learned as we grew up in church. It's one of what? We see Jonah inside the belly of a whale, and what's he doing? He's usually sitting on something, and he's got what right in front of him? A fire. How ridiculous. You guys have never seen that picture? Okay, so Jonah's inside the belly of a fish. A whale, a fish, I don't care. It's just something swallowed Jonah. It's pretty miraculous that he's still alive, whether you call it a whale or a fish. Uh, So he's inside, he's sitting down, and he's got this fire. Now, what's all this space around him? It's the stomach, right? Guys, I don't know if you know anything about the stomach, but there's not a lot of space in your stomach. If there is, you know what it's called? Gas, and you'll fart, and it's gone. But So there's not a lot of space inside your stomach. It's like this. So let's, let's think, you guys are all teenagers now, some of you guys are college adults, so let's think for a moment where Jonah actually is. Jonah's in the middle of acid. He's in the middle of food that's in the process of digesting. Jonah's in a place to where there's a lot of distress that's going on. He, he's not built a fire. He's not sitting down and he's just like, ho-hum, I'm waiting on this fish to go and spit me out. Actually, Jonah probably is not sure whether he's still continuing to die or if this is actually a vessel of salvation for him. Jonah's probably in and out of consciousness, and I'll talk about that here in a moment, uh, what his prayer says. So this is all the things that are going on with Jonah. The smell's probably not that great. How many of you guys have ever smelled raw fish before? Hello, what do you think's inside the belly of this fish? He's in the ocean. So all this stuff is going on. This is where Jonah's at. So this is what chapter 2 is about. Chapter 2 gives us a little insight into what's going on inside the belly of this fish when it comes to Jonah. Look at, look at what it says in the very beginning of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. So Jonah's in the fish. We know this. So it, it's, it's not this wide open space. Jonah's in a lot of distress. Jonah's probably at a point to where he's not sure whether this is going to be good for him or bad for him. And so all through this prayer, as we see, the distress that he talks about always has to do with the water instead of the well. Check it out. So in the water, this is what happens. We know that he called out to the Lord. We're going to come back and talk about this in chapter 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from the sight, from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains, and I went down, there's that use of that word again, I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. This is where Jonah's at. Jonah's at a place to where he's sinking farther and farther and farther, and he's actually at a place to where seaweed is all around him. He's all wrapped up in this, and he actually thinks that he's totally separated from God. But look what it says in in the last part of verse 6. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. All of the distress that Jonah is talking about that he's in, that's all prior to Jonah getting inside the belly of the fish. Jonah didn't cry out to the Lord in distress 
from inside the fish, when did he cry out? He cried out when he was in the waters. The waters were closed in over him, and, the, and, they, and when they were taking root on him. So here's the thing that I want you to see from tonight. I don't care how deep and how far and how distant you've ran from God. Here's the cool thing about God. God's going to listen to the cries of his children. He's going to hear you cry out to him in prayer. Sometimes we think, I've gone so far, there's no way that God will ever hear what I'm saying. God heard Jonah. So tonight I want us to take a look at Jonah and see how that can fit my life. How the fact that no matter how far I've ran from God, the prodigal son is another story that Jesus tells, but no matter how far away from God I've ran, I know that God still loves me. God still pursues me, and God's going to hear my cries. So God's always going to answer his children when we cry out to him in distress. Now tonight I want to talk about how and why he does that. There's a few ways that I want us to look at. First off, I want you to see this. No matter what we've done, God's going to still listen to your cries. All right, so what, what was going on in Jonah's life before he got put in the water? Where was Jonah? Was he close to God? No, somebody said no. Why not? Where was Jonah? What does chapter 1 talk about where Jonah was? He was on a ship. Where was he headed? Was he going towards God or away from the presence of God? Away. Jonah was running from God the whole time. So he's running. He's actually disobedient. So he's guilty. He's not pursuing after God. So he's fleeing from what he thinks is the presence of God. But we know that we can't do that because of Psalms. So this is where Jonah is. Jonah's actually running away from God. That's why Jonah was in the water. Was Jonah in the water because God was mad at him, or was Jonah in the water because he was guilty of disobedience? What? There we go. Somebody said it. Yeah, he's guilty of disobedience. God's not mad at him at this point. So why is Jonah in the water? Well, look at what it says in this passage. This is Jonah in his, in his cry to God. He says, for you cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas. Now, someone go look at Genesis, I'm sorry, not Genesis, at chapter 1, verse 15, and read that out loud for me. What does it say? This is Jonah in his prayer. He says, you are the one that cast me into the deep. But look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 15. Someone read that for me out loud so we can hear us. Who's the they? Let's stop there. Who's the they? Let's, let's open up that pronoun. Who? The crew. So the crew, go ahead. Awesome. But Jonah said who threw him in the sea? The who? No, well, actually, let's look at what this says. He's crying out to God in, chap- in chapter 2, verse 3. He says, for you, this is the prayer to God. The you is implied that it's God. So, for God cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas. So, who cast him in? Both. Both. We know that physically, it was the crew that threw Jonah into the sea. They're the ones that physically picked him up and threw him into the sea But, guys, here's the thing. It was all God. God was using the crew to put Jonah into the sea. Why? Was he mad? How many of you guys have ever been spanked by your parents? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mine too. All right, so let me ask you this. Now, I know the answer you're going to think. Yes, they were mad at me. Were your parents literally raging mad when they spanked you? Shame on them. Gabrielle, where are you? 
How many spankings have you got when I'm mad at you? What, what did I usually do when you were little? It's because I beat sense into her. I'm going to help you remember. I would sit you down, and I would walk off for a while, and I would go to the back room, and I would pray, literally. If mom were here, she'd back this up. And then I would come, and I would spank you. Why did I do that? Anticipation. That's right. I wanted her to sit there and be like, oh, crud. Why, why did I do that? Have any of your parents ever done that? Okay, yes, good, Luke. What's that? Okay, sit in the room. The reason I walk off, here's the thing. It is never, ever, ever good to do anything out of anger. Nothing. Guys, when you get married, let me talk to the guys just for a moment. When you get married, never, never do things towards your wife out of anger. It doesn't go well with you. I don't care how small she may be, she will climb up you and rip things out of your nose quicker than you can, like, sneeze. I mean, so you never, ever want to do anything out of anger. Guys, here's the thing. When we punish, well, we wouldn't punish. When we would correct our daughter, we, we never tried to do any of that stuff out of anger. Why? Because we want to model the, what God's taught us. God doesn't chasten us because he's angry with us. Why does he chasten us? And chasten is what he's doing, not punishing. Punishing means that you've done something wrong. You've got to serve a sentence. Chastening means it, we're correcting. We're actually course correcting you. Why? Out of love. How many of your parents have spanked you? Okay, almost everybody in this room, your parents have loved you that much to spank you. And you're like, it didn't feel like love. You're right. I can attest to that because I had marks all over my hiney that looked like my name was Johnny when I was growing up because, you know, that's what dad had. He had Johnny written across his belt <laughs> right here. Actually, I just looked like Joe because he folded it in half and he's like, psh, psh. he was spanking me that way. Um, and my sister was laughing the whole time. But what's that? My mom made my grass. Eat grass. There we go. My dad made me smoke grass. That's kind of weird. I don't, did y'all, no, I'm just joking. We'll have to... We'll have to edit that one out. <laughs> no. For the record, I've never smoked pot. Let me check that. All right. All right. So. <laughs> no, we won't. That's the truth. All right. So, but here's the thing. Why did my dad do that? Because he loved me. And I can, I can give you this with 100% certainty. With the any, only person that's sitting this close to me, there's a few of you guys in the back of the room know what I'm saying. Why do you have kids? And you'll understand the difference between punishing someone because you're angry versus chastening someone because you love them. God had a purpose in what was going on in Jonah's life. Jonah may not have agreed what was going on, but God was still listening to his call. This is what happens in Scripture, talking about punishing versus chastening and stuff when people are running away from God. Listen to what Psalms 107 says um, about about wondering, is there any hope? Uh, I'm away from God, disobedience, all this stuff. Listen to what this passage of Scripture says. Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and had spurned the counsel of the Most High. That's a lot like Jonah. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord for their trouble, and he delivered them in their distress. He brought them out of darkness again, who broke their bonds asunder, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to the Son of Man. Here's the thing. Guys, when we do something out of disobedience, all we have to do is just cry out to God. 
Now, and I'm not saying it's going to go away overnight. We're going to look at that in a moment. But that's the first place to start. When we've disobeyed, it's not a guilt thing. Like, oh, God's never going to listen to me again. I'm sure that Jonah felt when he's, when he's at the bottom of the sea, when he's got seaweed wrapped all around him, probably in the moment, the last moment of consciousness, Jonah gave this thought, God, I will pray to God. Because remember, when he was asked in chapter 1 by the captain saying, hey, pray to your God that he'll save us. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jonah did that. Only when Jonah was in distress is where he prayed to God. Let's be real. When is the only time you think to pray to God? Most of the time. When something's not going right in your life. I want you to hear that because I'm trying to put flesh on Jonah. I want you to see that this is a real person that we're talking about in history. This is someone that these, these things, I believe, because of what Scripture says, has really happened. Jonah's not much different than you and I because the moment that something was going bad in his life, he cried out to God. You know what he did? He walked over and he pulled the God fire alarm. That's what we do. How many of you guys had a pop test today? Any of you guys have a pop quiz in school? Luke, you prayed right before that pop quiz, didn't you? Oh my gosh, Lord, please let me pass this test because my mama will kill me if I don't. Yeah, there we go. See, I'm, I'm on your prayer language now. That's when we do. When something happens, when, when our girlfriend or our boyfriend breaks up with us, it's like, oh, Lord, please let me help me get through this. It's in distress that we reach out to God. So he's not much different from us. God hears us. Also, God hears his children um, in spite of his judgment against us. Look at this. Uh, verse 3, it says this. We've read this, but I'm just going to recap it. For you are the one that cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. Like I said, in verse 15 of chapter 1, we see that God actually used the crew to physically pick him up and throw him into the sea, but Jonah knew the source of whom it was throwing him into the sea. God just used those people to do his work. Did, did God harden Pharaoh's heart? This is yes and this is no. Did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Absolutely, 100%. So did God use Pharaoh for his purpose? Yes. Did God use the crew of this ship for his purpose? Yes, to get Jonah into the water, to put him in distress. This is what's going on uh, with this. So Jonah is the one, he says, I know that this is coming from you. His heart's broken. I know that I've disobeyed you. But even though that he knows that he's disobeyed God, and God is the source of this correction that's going on, what did he do? He prayed. Now, let me put this into pictures for you guys. Where's my people that have got a spanking again? Go ahead and raise your hand. Good. We're getting, we'll do the left arm next time because your right deltoid is starting to get fatigued. How many of you guys? That, th this is my left arm. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Good. All right. So out of all of you people that have just, that have just done that, when you got a spanking and you literally did something wrong, we're, we're the ones that go back later on and tell mom and dad how sorry you are. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah, I know you do. Thank you. Yes. Why? You're doing the same thing that Jonah did. Jonah was getting correction from God. He knew that he had done wrong. God is the one that was chastening him. So just like a child would go back to his father, this is pretty, pretty common stuff, just like a child would go back to his father, Jonah goes back to God in prayer 
and tells God, basically he cries out to him. He goes to the source. That's what he does. So in spite of God's judgment on Jonah, Jonah still turns to him in prayer and saying, God, I'm sorry. This is what I've done. This is where I, you found me. All this stuff as well too. Now, God also will answer the, answer the cries from his children when things seem hopeless. And I know this is where some of you guys sit tonight. You think and you say, what's the use? What's the point? What's the point in all of this stuff? Because, here it is, you throw that word out, things feel hopeless right now. And I'm going to assume that's correct by the silence in this room right now. Here's the thing with God. This is right where Jonah was. He thought all was lost. I'm at the bottom of the sea. I'm in the weeds. The water's all over my head. This is where things are. I'm hopeless. Look at what he says. I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me and take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. That sounds like someone who's in dire straits. That sounds just like someone who feels like things are hopeless. That is probably one of the worst places that you can get in is hopelessness. This is what Jonah says. Yet you, the you is God, yet you, God, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Guys, I 100% will be a, a, a little transparent with you. Not too much, but a little bit. That's where life was for me in my very early 20s. I played the church game from the time I was 14 years old the age of most of you guys that are in here and older, from the age of 14 years old until about 24 years old, I played the church thing for a while, and then I just finally just kind of walked away from it forever. But at 24 years old, 23, I found that things in my life were hopeless, completely. So for me, my salvation and my conversion experience is a complete change of life, much like Paul's was when he went from Saul to Paul. It was like a different man was born again when I, went, when I came out of that bathroom that morning, 100%. But I was in a place of hopelessness. Things weren't going well. Uh, I wasn't happy with who I was becoming. I love to ask this question to people that I, I disciple. Um, I, ask, I love to ask people, who do you want to be? You know, just think about this. Who do you want to be? Do you have that person in mind? And they're usually like, yeah, yeah, okay, I have that person in mind. Here's my question. Are you becoming that person? See, my dad used to ask me that. He used to say, son, who do you want to be? And I would tell him. And okay, good. And I, I told him what kind of a man I wanted to be, how I wanted to be, how I wanted to treat people, all these things as well. But at 24 years old, I realized the person that I wanted to become was not the person who I was becoming. And they were growing farther and farther and farther apart. I was hopeless because I did not think that I could get from here to this person. And you know what? I was 100% true. God did it. God realigned my heart and didn't make me this person. He's making me this person. 
That's what Jonah, where he is. He's in a state of hopelessness. He says, hey, I don't know what's going on, but then, but he acknowledges where his source of hope comes from. It's from you, God, because you brought me up from my life, you brought up my life from the pit, oh Lord. And here's the thing, God does things, and I love the way John Piper says it, when it comes to listening to the cries of his children, he rescues them, in John Piper's words, just in the nick of time. You guys like movies? How many of you guys like movies? We love movies. Uh, my, our, our, our favorite thing to do as a family is to go to the theater, sit about right where Marduk is sitting, not with that look on your face, but like with a happy look on her face. Uh, I can see that jerker glowing without even saying, she's like, and this is on camera too, Mara. This is Marduk right now. Everyone in, in TV land is watching that. All right, so, so I, would, I, lo- I love to sit right about where Marduk is. But Mara, you, that's much prettier than me, just so you guys know that. But I love to sit right about where Marduk is, get popcorn, go watch a movie. That's, that's our thing. We love to do that as a family, right? Um, so that's our thing. I love movies. Here's the cool thing about movies. I love the cliffhangers. I love it when it gets to the edge. I'll be honest with you. That's why I'm so huge of a fan of my Sunday night show, and you guys know what I'm talking about. I love that show. Why? Because it's usually cliffhangers. I like for things, it leaves me on the edge of my seat, and then there's this anticipation that happens the next week. And so we keep watching that, and unfortunately, the writers of this show keep stretching it out forever and ever and ever. That's where God is when it comes to Jonah. Jonah is at the edge of a cliff. He's, he's hanging on, and this is where he says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord. In other words, God saved him just in the nick of time. Now, did God listen to the cry of his child and rescue him immediately? Or was it going through in stages? It was in stages. Why do I say that? Where where did Jonah cry out to God? Was it in the belly of the fish or in the water? In the water. God, the water's all around me. Please save me. Deliver me, O God. Did God put him on dry land? Where did he put him? In the belly of the fish or in the well. Absolutely. Why did he not put him directly on dry ground? See? All right, let's talk about science. Uh, You know, my wife is like all into this environmental stuff. Uh, A butterfly. How does it become a butterfly? Give me the quick 15-second paraphrase. Caterpillar doesn't die, but that's okay. Caterpillar's dead. It's, it's reincarnated into a butterfly. No. Actually, this is what happens. The butterfly transforms. And here's how it does it. There's, this, there's all this stress that happens inside of the cocoon, and it's, it's this work. If you help it, what are you doing? You're hurting it or messing it up, yes. So all of this stress has to go through for this thing to become what? A beautiful butterfly. Guys, for Jonah, now we'll, we'll see as Ryan carries us on, Jonah still needed some stretching because he didn't quite make it. Uh, you'll see towards the end of, end of the book. But for this portion, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He was going through all of this stress and things. God was doing this, why? To continue to shape him. 
to continue to grow him and to make him a better man. How many of you guys have to work for like your vehicle and stuff like that? Now, you guys appreciate those things a lot more, don't you? Because if, if mom and dad just happen to give it to you, it's just kind of like, awesome, thanks, way to go, yeah. Here, here's the truth. Every once in a while, I will sponsor, as, as a church, we'll sponsor someone to go like, oh, to camp, well, not to Canada, but to camp and to different things like that. We'll sponsor someone to go to, to collide or various things like that. Here's, here's the truth. The people that we sponsor are the first ones that will back out at a moment's notice. Why? They have nothing invested at all. But for those that have to pay, and some of you guys that have to pay on your own, you never back out. Why? Because you're vested. It's exactly what we're talking about here. Jonah is going through this investment process. God is allowing him to grow and to stretch and hopefully become a better man. So it all happens in stages. Um, and let me, let me go on to finish this because I want to I wrap up with time. This is what Jonah says in uh, chapter seven, verse 7. He says, when my life was fainting away, this is why I say he was probably in and out of consciousness, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. And here's the interesting thing. This is, he says this from the belly of a fish. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Interesting. And what does the very, very next verse say happened? He what? He got spit out upon dry land. Now, I don't know, Scripture doesn't tell us if that happened right after he came to that thought, but he came to that thought, and that's where God's like, you're right. Now go to Nineveh. Proclaim repentance to these people. Otherwise, if they don't change from their ways, I will strike them down. Did Jonah go after this? He did. And we'll talk about that uh, some next week. So Jonah had to get to a part where he was thankful. Now, let me ask you this. What does Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 say, roughly? Does anyone know that? We're not going to go to and read it. Be thankful what? In some things or all things? Uh, Let me go there just to make sure that I'm actually telling you guys the right passage of Scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. See, I'm glad I told you this. Oh, yeah, I did. I kind of got it right. I'll get a C on this if we're we're grading this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So what's the paraphrase of that? Give thanks in all circumstances. Don't be anxious. Guys, if, if you're praying through something, Scripture says not to be anxious about it. It says, it says don't be anxious about anything. But through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. Let me ask you this. What ails you? What is it that's making you, if you're, if you're going through the process that Jonah is, what is it that's making you feel hopeless tonight? What is it? And don't answer out loud. I just want you to think about that. What is it that's making you feel hopeless? Don't be anxious. But with prayer and supplication, let your requests 
be known to God, and God will hear you. All right, last thing is this. Why does God answer his children when they cry out to him? Because when we receive mercy, God wants us to go and be merciful to those. Think about that. God, God, God has given every one of us mercy. And here, here's the truth. If you're in here tonight, and you're not a Christian, you haven't been saved, you've not surrendered your life to Christ, whatever it is you want to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, God is merciful. Because in God's mercy, he'll give you an opportunity tomorrow to wake up. He'll give you an opportunity the next day to wake up. He may continue to give you opportunities to continue waking up every day in five years from now. You may see God for who he is and see yourself for who you are and surrender your life to God through Jesus. And from this day forward to that five years, God was merciful. God was merciful to me for 10 years. Because at 14, like I said, I played the church thing. You guys know this. I walked down front in a church about this size. Walked down front right here at this spot. Said a prayer. A lot of people prayed over me. It was freaking me out. But I got up. They started patting me on the back, hugging me. You know, all these old guys saying, hey, you've got saved. That's so good. We need to start talking about baptism. Uh, that's so good. And hugging me. And they showed, they, I stood in front of the church. They all were clapping and stuff. And the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know what just happened, but I'm confused as I'll get out. But they say I'm saved. I'm saved. That's awesome. I don't really know what that means. But as you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to school tomorrow. And I got up and went to school tomorrow. And then 10 years later, by the mercy of God, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. God made atonement for my sins, and he did it through Jesus. That was God showing me mercy. Do you know why I am merciful? To people today because God has shown me mercy. True story. I was standing right back there where Kendra Fossatelli is sitting right now. Okay, let's take a moment. Everyone turn around and look. There's Kendra. Okay, good. Now, now we can get that out of it. You don't have to like think, can I turn around and look? Go ahead and look. There we go. All right, good. Now, back to me. I am 30 seconds away from walking right here to preach. I had a young guy that came back there. This was many, many years ago, right when I first got here. He came up to me and he told me, he says, hey, I need to talk. I'm like, uh, okay, let's talk. I've been talking to my mom and dad. I've got a lot of things going on. They said that I could tell you anything and you wouldn't judge me. And I'm like, okay, try me. I think my girlfriend's pregnant. <laughs> Hold up, buddy. You, you can't bring a whole dump truck full of stuff and, like, dump it on me. I, I've got to go up there, and the song is winding down. I have to go preach. Give me 30 minutes. Don't leave. Give me 30 minutes, and I'll be all yours. We'll sit back there in that back room all night. This guy and I today still have the most awesome, awesome relationship. Why? God was, most, God was merciful to me. Why would I not show love and mercy to this guy? 
That's what God takes us through these processes for. That's why God takes us through these steps. That's why God took Jonah through all of the steps that he took him through. Yes, God could have allowed the ship to turn around. They could have made their way for land. Jonah could have got off and went running straight to Nineveh. But that's not what happened. Jonah had to get to a point to where he finally spoke. They threw him in the water. And he sank to a point to where he thought that he was as far away from God as he could ever get. He was in a state of hopelessness. And in that state of hopelessness, he cried out to God. And he says, God, forgive me. Rescue me. In and out of consciousness, probably, one of the last things that went through his mind was God. God, please. God, save. God, help. And God was like, now this is only me speculating, but I can imagine God was like, finally, yes, I will. But I'm going to put you through a process because when you come out of this, you're going to be a better man. And you know what I told that guy? I said, look, this is not going to be easy. We'll go sit down and we'll talk to your mom and dad together. And we'll go sit down and we'll, we'll get your girlfriend and we'll go talk to her parents together. Look, God forgives you. I love you. But there are things that you're going to have to deal with at this point. He's a stronger person today because of it. Without a child, by the way. I don't want to leave that gap out. I wonder who that is. Who is it that has an illegitimate child? Nobody. She wasn't pregnant. Guys, I know that tonight you probably sit here and you think, woe is me. I'm in a hopeless state. There's so much stuff that's going on. I don't know how I can handle high school. I don't know how I can handle middle school. Heck, I'm going to be real. I don't know how I can handle life, things that are going on in my world. It feels like God's putting so much on me that I don't know how I'm going to be able to juggle all of these things. I want to give you a, a verse to go read, and I won't, I won't say it out loud, the whole verse, but I just want to give you a place. I want to put a marker in your mind. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Go read that at some point, and look at the promise that God has given you. It's a great command. It's something that is really, really awesome, and I'll be honest with you, I have stuck a stake in the ground so many times in my life And I've held on to that verse. And you know what I've done? I've waited for the storm to pass by. So I encourage you guys with that tonight. Ben's going to come up. He's going to play just a few notes for us. While he's doing that, just do something radical. If, if If you're in here tonight and you feel like you're hopeless, cry out to God. Pray. Spend these few moments as Ben plays, just really letting God know what's got you down. I'm going to be transparent with you for a moment. As he's getting ready, I sat right here today, and Ryan sat right here. I'm not sure which one it is. And we prayed for a few minutes. We, We pray on Wednesdays for you guys. And as we're sitting down, I made a comment. I don't know what, what got us on the subject. I made a comment and said, man, 
The other night, I, I was feeling so crummy that I, I went home. I took Gabrielle to dance, and I went home, and for three hours, I read Scripture, and I prayed. I was home by myself, and it was such a great opportunity for me to just not worry if Gabrielle's going to walk in and think, like, what's he talking about, man? Dad's weird. Uh, or for Suzanne to not be at home. But just for me, for me to sit, for me to read Hosea about a man that chased after a wife that was a whore. He went out and he bought his wife and he loved her. Guys, if that's not an opportunity for me to pray, to be a better husband, to be a better dad, to be a better pastor, to love people in spite of even if it seems like they're fleeing away, I don't know any other place to turn. We don't have three hours tonight. Well, we do, if you want to. We can leave you here while we go to Sweet Frog. We'll do that for you. I promise we will. We won't disturb you. But in all seriousness, if you need to take three seconds, three minutes, whatever the case is, don't lose focus. I know that sometimes it feels like God's forgotten us, and I can imagine Jonah felt the same way. But he's not. Scripture says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't worry, but through prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. Father, thank you.